always taking the victim road without finding some solutions to why you are in that position, then you're going to stay in that position. You're listening to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. Well, hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. It's been three and a half whole months of no new podcasts, and this is the intro to the intro. It has been a long three and a half months, and I have so much to say. <laughs> I've gone through so much personally. You're going to hear, I have uh, I have three episodes recorded prior to me taking off these three and a half months. I'm going to still release them with the same mindset and everything going on. And I'll have an intro for this one, maybe for the other ones. But I've gone through a lot. I'll share a lot. Like I said, I have a lot to say. I'll share a lot through the contemplations. I'll share a lot through the conversations as well. And I continue to have them. I think we're going to do about two conversations a month as opposed to the four that we used to do. And then probably two contemplations. So I think we'll switch every other week for right now at least. We'll do one conversation, then a contemplation. So the conversations are where I interview a guest. And the contemplations where it's just me. So thank you so much for being here. I'm going to scoot right into the regularly recorded intro. But thank you so much for the support. I'm glad to be back. I've missed it a lot. I've missed the communication to you through the podcast and helping each other out to learn more and grow more. And I certainly have done that in the past couple months. It's been wild. So I'll save it for the content. Let's get into this one. I'm so happy to be here again. I'm so pumped for you to be here yet again. See you soon. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. This is conversation number 168, total episodes number 292. Can't thank you enough for being here today. I have cut down the podcast to two a week as opposed to four a week. And man, I sure do miss them. I know I've been saying that, but it's just so difficult realizing that you need to take some more time for yourself. So I'll just start this conversation more like I kind of do the other segments in the podcast, the contemplations, and start saying like, a little self-reflection is like when you identify that you need to focus a little bit more on yourself and your goals and not really helping other people as much, it can seem super selfish, but I believe in order to help people more eventually and ultimately, sometimes you need to take a little bit more about yourself and do a little bit of self-love, do a little bit of self-care, work on some of those things, get after some of the things you need to be getting after and that you want to be getting after, you can build up a little bit stronger, and then ultimately, like I said, and eventually you can help people even more than you ever could have before. So my guest today is Bobby Kipper. Bobby was a law enforcement officer for 30 years, and then he is the author of four books. One of them is a Wall Street Journal national bestseller, and he also founded the National Center for Prevention of Community Violence. What I love about this kind of podcast is not only talking about the career transitions, why you got into things, why did you do it, how are you doing it, did you have a plan, all those things are really good, 
but I love being able to tie everything together. And that's one of those episodes that we did. And even more importantly, being able to take items from here, actionable items, and be able to apply them to your life. One of the things I say again in the other segment, because there's two segments within the podcast, the contemplations. So you can listen to all the best advice, have all the best conversations, read all of the best books, but if you don't apply it, it doesn't mean anything. So I appreciate that you're here and I don't take it for granted, but please don't only listen to this just for entertainment purposes. Apply the things that you hear today because it's a great conversation and it feels good to have that spur of motivation and inspiration feel good about doing what you want to do. But until you actually act on doing what it is that you want to do, you've done nothing. So think about that kind of stuff as we talk through this, as I ask some of the questions, they are asked strategically to be able to present actionable items to you to be able to do them within your own life. Bobby is awesome. Bobby is a case study for preparedness and action. Remember, you can find this podcast and all of the episodes on christophlewis.com forward slash podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps. Head over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts and rate five stars. Tell me what you like. And now both segments of the podcast are on YouTube. Head over there and subscribe. I would massively appreciate it. And sharing with a friend is the ultimate way to help a friend. So without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've been looking forward to this for a while uh, for a few reasons, actually a lot of reasons. And I was saying just a second ago, like off camera, I was asking you like how you're doing through all the things as we're recording this here in June of 2020, there's a lot of things going on in the world. We've experiencing like a lot of things that don't typically happen. And now they're butting up all against each other. And we were introduced to each other through a mutual friend, somebody else that was on the podcast too, a while ago. And so it's cool to be connected with people that understand your mission and what you're trying to do within your own life and within the lives of other people. And that's really what I want to get into today is talking more about you talking about what you've done in your career careers and and what you've done to help other people. Cause that's always so important for me is articulating to the guests and the listeners, what this person's done, how they're helping other people. So before we get into the meat of it, would you mind introducing yourself just a little bit like who you are, where you're from and what you've done? Sure. Um, Bobby Kipper is my name, and obviously uh, my first career was in uh, law enforcement. I was a, a law enforcement veteran of 30 years. I spent 26 years in Newport News, Virginia, on the police department there, and then four years with the Virginia Attorney General's Office, where I was the director of Virginia's Gang Reduction Program, and that led me to um, become an author and write um, four books now, and also start a national nonprofit to prevent violence. So. Uh, people sometimes joke with me and say, well, so yeah, you retired from police work. I said, well, uh, I'm actually tired because uh, we continue to work hard <laughs> and we do a lot of national police training across the country. So um, I've, I've covered the gamut pretty much from being involved in local, state and uh, federal projects as well as uh, running a national nonprofit. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff going on. Not to mention, I mean, just the... Uh... <laughs> The small number of 30 years of being a, a former Leo, I just think that's incredible to be able to do that. And over here, so I'm in Norfolk as I record this, and you said you're here in Newport News, just across the water here. And uh, so let's stop for one second before we get into the rest of that. I think it's incredible. I want to talk about the books, the kind of change, and the impact that you are making and creating through those avenues. But uh, I like to focus a little bit too on career transition. It's the Christoph Lewis podcast, Create Your Career highlighting people, maybe why they did things, how they did things, like what was their purpose, how they got into it. So let's pull back all the way until like, why did you decide to become a police officer and how was the transition into that for you? Well, um, you know, 
when you're young, people always wonder what you want to do when you grow up. And obviously, uh, police work was intriguing to me for a number of reasons. First of all, I always felt like that it was a career which, you know, set you on a path to try to be helpful in your community. And also, um, you know, there's a sense of excitement. There's a sense of basically accomplishment when you're a police officer, uh, when you handle a case or when you handle a situation and complete that you would feel very good about what impact you've had. So I've always been an impact type person. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, wanting wanting to be creative and impact is probably what led me to policing as well as feeling like I was doing something of good. Yeah, I think the impact's really important and it obviously speaks into you being or you doing something for as long as you did it. And then, like you said, I retired, but I didn't really retire. And, you know, I'm doing these things now and continuing to write books, continuing to help people doing the national nonprofit, things like that. I think when you really understand yourself on a level that you want to have that kind of impact where it's not just within your own life, like obviously being a police officer. And like you said, serving the community has a much greater impact than just on your life has a great impact on the community around you and, and even more. So I think to be able to hold true to those underlying tones of, of the accomplishment, wanting to have an impact and helping other people has really just followed you out throughout your entire life. It sounds like let, I, I would love to segue into a little bit of the books. And so I asked like, well, why or how did you get into becoming a police officer? Like what was behind that? So a lot of times we see in people that they maybe want to do something like become a police officer, but that's it. They retire and then they go off the radar, right? They don't do anything else. But what I guess was your drive or what was your purpose? And maybe it's connected to what we just talked about impact, right? But what was your drive to continue on and step outside just being a law enforcement officer and writing books? Well, you know, I've always had a philosophy and I think it came from my dad who always basically used to let me believe, you know, if you're not dead yet, you're not done yet. I mean, your impact doesn't stop. <laughs> and so I felt like that uh, as I got into 26 years at the local level, um, I wanted to, to grow in another area to really make more of an impact. That's when I took a, a role um, as an executive in the Attorney General's Office of Virginia, and I was placed in charge of Virginia's gang reduction program. Obviously, um, each state has an issue with gangs, with street gangs, and I was able to really bring um, to engineer some, I guess, results and solutions. And so when we started seeing things happen at that level and really realized the idea and the ideals and the creativity we were using had an impact on crimes and communities, um, I decided that I would write a book on that. Mm -hmm. And so my first book, um, which was really a test for me because I never thought I'd write (laughs) one book, much less four. But um, it was called No Colors, 100 Ways to Keep Gangs from Taking Away Communities. And it was an encyclopedia on what communities can do um, to reduce gangs. And one of the things that the key to it is, is that we continue to feel like we're going to arrest our way out of social criminal issues like drugs and gangs. But the reality is, is we have to have a strategic plan Mm -hmm. to address those social crime issues in communities. And so I felt like that I would take the lead and, and write a book to deal with that strategic planning process and how it could work in all communities. And it became uh, very popular. Yeah, that's so cool. So the reason I love this example and how you've articulated it to us is because one of the things that I've found in myself and a lot of people that I talk through in the podcast that listen to the podcast is we sell ourselves short. And one of the things he said, if you guys didn't catch it, is he said, 
I never thought I'd write a book and this was like my test, you know, this was like my pilot book, but it obviously went on to be successful and impact a lot of people's lives. So there's a lot of things at play here that I'm picking up on is you, you initially sold yourself short, didn't think you'd write it. You obviously wrote it. You went on to write three other books, but we were talking about you having an impact in your local community. You wanted to have an impact in your local community, but with a book, obviously that goes on to not just your community, it goes on to a national level. And quite frankly, I'm sure in an international level. So you're able to have, or we're able to go from like a place where you don't think you're even going to be able to do something to now you're affecting your community positively. Now you're affecting your country positively by changing other people. Cause if you have, uh, like you said, um, strategies to way to um, attack this or at least go about trying to make the situation better. If you have something that works, why not share it, right? So to be able to put that into words and help it out with other people, I think is great. And then obviously, like you said, you went on to write a few more others. So those are cool things that are going on there. Obviously, I keyed on the word creativity because it's the Create Your Career podcast. So I love how that's applicable to it as well. I mean, would you be willing to maybe share some of the ways that you've applied creativity to some of the things that you suggested within your book? Sure. Um, probably the, the book that I would lean on about creativity the most is a book that I wrote uh, with my publisher. It's called Performance Driven Thinking. Um, you know, let's face it, everything in life is about performance. And so... What I've learned in, in my years of existence is that people will try to find ways around performance. They, you know, but when you look at addressing problems with solutions, I mean, we like to circle the wagons. We like to sort of, you know, talk about problem, problem, problem. But what we don't like to do is really focus on, you know, solutions. Mm -hmm. And solutions only comes through performance. I mean, you have to get up and get out. You can't continue to wish issues away. And so... One of the things, the two things that have really driven me in creativity has been, first of all, make your creativity about solutions. Mm -hmm. You have to be passionate about what you want to do, but you also have to bring, people want change. They don't know how to get to change, and change is uncomfortable, but um, the book that we wrote on performance-driven thinking actually became a Wall Street Journal bestseller uh, because we actually talk about, you know, how to drive performance in your personal and professional life. Um one of the things I tell people all the time is that when you get up in the morning, your performance is not an option. Uh, people wake up and think, well, maybe I'll go to work or maybe I won't go to work. But, you know, anything that you decide to do in the morning is about performance. If you don't show up, it, it is performance. It's just poor performance. Mm -hmm. So you can't do anything in life without measuring it behind the term performance. And so I decided instead of putting up with the status quo and looking at the age of entitlement, that I would challenge people with a – you know, life and business book about performance and, you know, the rest is history. It's done real well. And yeah. I love talking about, I love talking about performance because it, it matters in everything we do. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, I mean, how applicable to that we were talking about current, I guess, not even just national, well, it's both national and international things going on right now. But I mean, I think it's good to identify the problem or that there is a problem, but I find, and this is just my personal opinion, my humble opinion that we focus and spend a lot of time on the problem, 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 problem. And I don't know who said it. This is definitely not my quote, but somebody said, you know, if all you're doing is focusing on the problem, that's all you're going to have is the problem, you know, focus on the solution. Exactly. Like Bobby right. said here, focus on the solution, performance driven thinking. So I love that aspect of it. And I, I find, I don't know, here, here's a question that maybe we can talk through right here is, you know, how do we get from, being tethered to just focusing on 
on that uh, mindset of pro- of problem thinking. You know, how do we get out of just being, I don't know, and because it could be easy, right? Sulking or just being, like I said, tethered to that. But how do we break out from the mentality of always being identified with the problem and get to thinking about a solution-minded mindset? Well, I think we have to, um, first of all, there are a couple things. Number one, I think we have to see ourselves as part of the solution. Mm. Um, you know, and, and again, everybody wants to join a platform mm-hmm. to parade about the issue, but very few want to look beyond the platform. So I, I think the, I think the other thing uh, for me is very clear is that if you're always taking, you know, and, and there are true victims in our society, but if you're always taking the victim role road without finding, you know, some solutions to why you are in that position, then you're going to stay in that position. So I think there, um, there are life rings all around us. I mean, there's there's places we can reach out to. Um, you know, there's nothing that you cannot achieve in this world as far as gaining information if you just look. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it's, you know, um, you know, the old saying, God helps those that helps themselves. But, you know, you know sometimes I wonder if they really focus on that, that they've got to really get up and make things happen. It's easy to solve long enough to, to where you feel like they'll never get out of that dark hole. And of course we have a lot of issues in our country with depression. And, mm-hmm. and I know that that is a very serious issue for people. I'm not making light of any of this, no. but a lot of it has to be with, you know, desire in performance driven thinking. It wasn't even defined before we wrote the book. We actually defined it. It's having the desire uh, to achieve with the will to accomplish. So a lot of people want things, but they don't put the will to it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can want a new car, but if you don't go out and get a job at work, you're not going to be able to pay for the new car. So it's just a question of connecting the engine to the caboose. That's, mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. And that's a, it goes obviously back with your the book we were talking about, Performance-Driven Thinking. And I think it's just obviously, uh, how do you do it? You just start doing it. I mean, there's there's a lot of <laughs> things we could talk about, but I think uh, some of it can just be considered fluff. I think ultimately what you're saying here is is the key, right? Is just... Just get out there, do it, think about what you need to do performance-wise. So I think that's phenomenal. I think that's good. And I think um, having conversations like these are good. Obviously, I'm a podcast host. I have the conversation. But one of the things I always try to highlight through these conversations and then I have another segments where it's just me is, you know, we can have this conversation and it's a good conversation and it's a conversation that should be had. But if the conversation stops there, and you and I, or anybody that's listening, doesn't go on and actually apply something that's taken from this conversation, then what does it really matter outside of like uh, an entertainment purpose? You know, really, like reading your book could be really interesting to read, and it probably is really interesting to read. But if I don't apply anything from it, then that's an issue. And admittedly, I will say I, w- I did a reading challenge for a, for a year where I read a book a week for a year, and I finished like two months ago. And it was really good, and I read a lot, and it was a great goal. Like, you thought you'd never write a book. I'd never thought I'd read that many books. However, I'm not, uh, again, admittedly able to apply nearly everything, you know, from all of those books. So I think it's slowing down a little bit and identifying what you actually want to act on and then not get blindsided with mass amounts of information, which we're obviously inundated with nowadays. So I'm a little bit more curious now if we could shift again. So we've talked about... A law enforcement officer, we've talked about the books that you've written and how they've impacted and how we can actually make a change. So let's shift a little bit more to the um, National Center for Prevention of Community Violence. So again, 
you could have stopped at being a law enforcement officer. You could have stopped at being an author, but you've gone out again. And I think it already speaks quite clearly as to why, but I love asking all the questions, even if they sound a little bit obvious off the tip of the tongue, because I really want to highlight again, I'm always beating it into the heads. I've said it a few times now, like, like you're saying, like, how do we go from ideas to action while it's having these conversations and and maybe using you as a case study of like this is how this person did it or this is why this person did it so with that how and why did you go ahead and and go forth again to create something on this level and tell us a little bit more about what it is too and how that makes an impact well the national center for prevention and community violence i started about 10 years ago and i did so because we wanted to focus again on um you know preventing violence from happening in communities um, I sort of coined the phrase years ago that violence is a process and not an event. Uh, what we what we do in our what we do in our thinking a lot of times is we wait for tragedy, or we wait for events, and then we want to address. You know, mm-hmm. uh, why can't we address it on the front end? We know that it's a potential to have violence in our lives, but why don't we recognize it and deal with the the behavioral issues on the front end, whether it be school violence, whether it be domestic violence. I mean, we know the signs. We're, we're, you know, we're we're attuned to the signs, mm-hmm. but a lot of times we just want to deny the signs. So mm-hmm. I felt like if I started an organization that really focused on the front end of interrupting the process to violence, then we would basically make impact in communities to reduce violence. And I, I still believe that we are making great impacts of mm-hmm. working in schools and communities. I also started it based on the fact that um, in my faith-based journey. Um, I was reading one day the Beatitudes. I'm studying the New Testament, and I'm always feeling like I want to be on the mission that I'm, I'm meant to be on. And when I read the Beatitudes, the the one uh, verse that stuck out of my mind is "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God." And I thought, you know, um, there are a lot of things that I felt like that maybe have come my way that I would not be able to make out of make it a mission make it a mission statement and really you know make it a a legacy into the future but i felt very strongly about that and i still do 10 years later Mm -hmm. that if you're going to leave a legacy for your fellow man there's no greater legacy than to basically you know reduce violence save people get people out of the droves of its not okay to hurt one another. And so I feel like it's calling. I feel like it's a mission. And so far we've been successful because it's based on solutions again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great. And it's obviously, or it's also a little bit obvious that all of the things that you're doing are tied in together. And I like that. I like that you're able to have one feet off the other, like all of the knowledge and the mass amounts of experience that I can only assume, right? I have never been a police officer. I was only, I was in the Navy for a little while, but um, completely different, but I can assume through all of the knowledge and the experience that you've gained through three decades of being a police officer that there's just really nothing better than to go on and obviously write books about those kind of things in the way you can impact based off that experience and then go on further to create an organization that helps people in that manner too, and just be able to leverage a bunch of different, uh, like tools or avenues, if you will, sort of the best words I can think of right now, but uh, to be able to reach people in different ways, right? Some people reads bo- reads books and they implement it that way. And then through the organization, you can reach other people. And then obviously as a law enforcement officer, you're able to reach people that way. So I think it's really cool to see the underlying tones always there. Why are you doing it? 
perpetually wanting to have an impact, having an impact in a similar sense, but in so many different ways. It's So you said like people a little bit wrapped up in the proactive work rather than the preactive work. And I think that's unfortunately just the way it is a lot. And I would love for people to kind of shift that. And I feel like people are almost too lazy not to do the preactive work or the, I'm, the proactive work rather than the reactive work, I'm sorry, is because they don't want to think about it until it's an issue, but ultimately, right? And they don't want to put in maybe the finances or just the, you know, the, the sweat to be able to do it. But I think if we can get away from that and do a little bit of like preloading and that proactive work, then we can mitigate a lot of the reactive work. And then I think if you just couple all of these things up in totality, which you've described here, you can actually have that impact, right? If you are being proactive, if you're taking the ideas, well, having the ideas, having the conversations, and then taking all of that and actually formulating a plan and trying to implement that plan. And I'm saying trying because you're probably not always going to be successful, but I believe you will inevitably, eventually be successful. So that leads me into something that I love talking about, but have you had any times throughout maybe your career or throughout authoring four books or throughout this organization where you just didn't think that maybe you could cut it or maybe you hit a road bump or an obstacle or something where you didn't think it was going to happen? So I would love to hear an example of that and uh, how you got through that. Well, yeah, I, I think everybody... Um meets a roadblock moment in their life. And, and for me, I mean, there, there have been several. I mean, when I first uh, you know, I joined the police department, I, you know, I worked in all areas of the police department and really understanding, you know, when I got to a position where I felt like that I had done what I could do as a police officer at the local level. And so I sought out to, um, to you know, really start doing some consulting and things were going, going really, really well. Um, I think one of the things that sort of is a roadblock for, for me and even for our organization at times is that sometimes it, uh, people in the nonprofit world don't play well in the sandbox. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody's out for funding. Everybody's out for, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. um, you know, basically getting people to commit to supporting their organization. And, and every organization is doing what they feel like is the best. I think that sometimes we tend to fund the same things over and over again without seeing new results or solutions. So I think one of the biggest roadblocks for me is really being able to get the message out Mm -hmm. that there are people at the table that have been successful. There are ways that we can, we can get this done. But if all you're doing is listening to the same organizations in your community and they're always doing the talking and they're always blocking new voices from coming in, you know, I, re- I really believe that if you d- always do what you've always done, you always get the same result. Absolutely. So the reason we can't address these issues is because we don't look to new solutions. We look to the same old solutions. And so I think that's a roadblock. It's a ro- been a roadblock um, in part of my career, and it's a roadblock. It doesn't mean we're not successful. We sure. are successful. Sure. We're working in communities all over America, but um, it's hard. I mean, it becomes frustrating when you know the same, you know, all the federal money, all the grant money has tended to go to the same groups to do yeah. what? The same thing they've always done. Yeah. And that's why we got the problem. Yeah, those are really good points. 
saying that it doesn't mean we're not successful to me that that's great because i mean how how does one determine success anyway and i think that's really personal or on an organizational level right it's it's completely different uh depending on what your goals are as an individual or again as an organization but yeah there's a lot of people fighting to do the same thing and it's all good and everybody (laughs) wants for the most part to do the same thing and to have the same positive impact but yeah there are a lot of people fighting for that so we talked about a little bit of your um, why or how you and why you got into being a law enforcement officer and then authoring books and then the organization. But I'm curious on a, a specific level after being at a, a job, any job for 30 years, did you have a plan when you exited? Like, were you already authoring books or were you ready? Um, creating this organization because a lot of times people in the military me being former military again they, they don't have a great plan or a plan at all or they're just going to kind of do it on, you know on the whim so did you have any kind of plan at all and how did that go for you and maybe walk us through just a little bit of that uh yeah the answer is yes i definitely did and i felt like that um you know that the message that i had was was gaining some traction mm-hmm. and so I figured that maybe there is another direction that I needed to go, um, not forgetting where I'd been and not, and you know, basically continuing to help the industry in law enforcement, which we even do today. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, I, I, I think that it's a failure for people, especially depending on your age. I mean, if you're up in age and you retire with full benefits and you feel comfortable with that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But what we have today is that people are actually in the baby boomer years, just like me. I mean, I retired from the police department when I was 46 years old. Um, and I'd been there 26 years. I joined when I was 20. So I had plenty of time to start a new career, but I just didn't all of a sudden go in one day and say, look, I'm going to be retiring, uh, you know, on September or August uh, 31st. I basically programmed it out to what I would have to do to start what I was starting, but also make ends meet. Um, I believe in multiple and diverse sources of income. I think what happens with us, and if I have any advice for people, is don't really feel like that you're going to be able to stop working and get all of your ducks from one organization alone. Unless you're a CEO or a top performer or, you know, you really independently put enough away that you're going to be okay. Um, I always encourage people to look at multiple sources of income because one day, one source may give out, but the other source mm-hmm. will give in. So that's really important. And I'm glad you asked that question because we have a lot of police officers that decide to retire. Like, you know, they don't have an identity after that. You need to, yeah. you need to focus on your identity moving forward instead of waiting for it to come to you. Nothing in this world is going to be in your lap. You have to make it happen. And if you're thinking about retiring, especially in an age where you can continue to be functional, you need to look at some alternatives before you make that decision. Man, that is so good. And don't we see that always? I see a lot with the military. I'm sure with first responders, identity is a huge issue. And you had mentioned depression a little bit earlier. And damn, I think that, at least from what I've seen and had a lot of these conversations now, that's one of the biggest contributors to depression is the loss of identity. That's just what I've seen. That's my interpretation of it. And again, I think speaks towards how powerfully all these things we're talking about here is so connected. But again, a lot of the questions that I ask, I think are kind of, they, they may sound obvious off the tip of the tongue, but they allow for these really 
impactful and important answers. And it's different for everybody, right? Like I said about success. So the transition is a little bit different for everybody. But I think there is also throughout the uniqueness or as opposed to all the uniqueness, there are always, again, are typically some underlying themes what contribute to everyone's own version of success. Like you had a prep, you know, you had a plan, you, you were prepared to do it. And I think if somebody does it a real like staccato mic drop moment where they're in one career on Friday and they're in another one on, on uh, Monday and they don't have a plan and they had such an identity for the last one, then they may be lost or, or even worse yet. Like you said, if, if you're retiring and maybe you retiring and you don't uh, go into another job, you're just twiddling your thumbs and you have a loss of identity. I think that's a potentially um, discouraging place to be uh, that might lead to depression. So having a plan, I think, is the the underlying theme I'm pulling out from this. And I just really feel strongly about your contribution as an officer through the books and through the organization. They're helping other people. So I think that we shouldn't lose focus of helping ourselves. We need to do that. I've struggled with that. I've probably focused a little bit too outwardly sometimes. So focus on ourselves, but I think also focusing on other people helps establish that identity to a purpose rather than the job. And I think it's good to be proud of what you've done and where you've come from, but attaching it to something other than the job, I think is going to help with that transition a little bit. I think that definitely coincides with the points that you've relayed here. So I really enjoy that. That that's been awesome, Bobby. That's great. Oh, and the, of course, lest I not say the uh, you know we don't. I'm not a finance podcast by any means, but I've definitely said it a lot on social media, and I try to help people out because I I feel like it's a holistic approach. Like again, we can't just have the conversations, and I like talking about mental health, physical health, and financial health, right? And I think again, a lot of things we're saying right now are very directly correlated to what we're experiencing in this country specifically. And obviously millions of people are out of a job and I'm not saying it's, it's your fault, but I'm saying what's done is done. And how are you going to be prepared moving into the future? So I would, I would heed Bobby's advice here and do your damned best to be able to create different revenue streams. Because if you don't, you might as well, because who the hell was going to plan it? You know, nobody's going to plan for COVID like that. Just it's once in a lifetime, once a century, maybe, right. You don't know. But that's the point is you don't know what's going to happen. So whether it be an on purpose, like an intentional, um, you're leaving a job, a job transition, right? That That's something you need to plan for, but it's unintentional. You can get fired, right? Uh, things can happen. Bad things can happen. And obviously things in the world can happen and a, a million, tens of millions of people can get laid off or furloughed. So uh, to be able to plan for that, I think is ideal. I love that we've able to hit so many things like your career transitions, uh, helping other people. And the holistic approach of also bringing finances into that. And again, as I I love to say, like in totality, that's what really helps whatever your version of success is that helps that individual get there, but at least having the conversation, but doing what Bobby said about not just having the conversation, but applicable steps. How am I going to implement this? And then actually going out there and putting in the damn work. So Bobby, this has been great. The time flew by. I, I love being able to tie everything all, you know, all, all together here. And you've allowed for that as well as sharing more about your life and, and how you did everything and, and, and why you did those things more importantly. So before we get out of here, 
is there any way or share any way that the people that are listening could maybe contact you or the organizations, whether it be email, websites, or anything like that? Sure. Um, they can reach out to me directly, uh, Bobby Kipper. Um, and then it's Bobby Kipper at solve, S-O-L-V-E, violence.com. Or they can, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, our organization, uh, National Center for Prevention of Community Violence. We also have a Facebook page. I love you as many followers as we can. If anybody wants to volunteer or contribute, that's even better. Um, but, you know, we're, we're always ready to move forward and to, to engage community and to engage people. So that's what we're all about. And please reach out and contact me. We'll have a dialogue. Perfect. All right. Well, as always, you all will be able to follow and see all of those in the show notes. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I think, like I said, you can listen to the podcast and I appreciate you listening to this, but I really want to encourage the next step. So reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. Bobby, thank you so much. It's been absolutely amazing. As I said, and I'll say it again, I love being able to tie all these things in together and just really be able to deliver actionable items to myself. I mean, these are for me too. I'm able to apply stuff from here and I know other people will be able to apply this too. So have a great night and thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.